Hi, and welcome back to Reach for Wellness, a video podcast by Community Reach Center. I'm your host, Vanessa Alarcon, a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed addictions counselor. This is part two of our Autism Awareness Disorder series, and I'm delighted to have Katya with us today. And Katya, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, hi, I'm Katya. Um, I work here at Community Reach Center in our early childhood outpatient office. Um, And so what we do there is we work um, with kids with all different types of diagnoses, and we mostly just do play therapy, um, but we do lots of other types of things too with them. Um, And yeah, I'm uh, working on getting my um, license right now, but I am also a social worker. And so I just graduated um, about a year ago, and I have a lot of experience prior to grad school working with kids with autism. Mm. Um, And so, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) Well, yeah, go social work. We just did a social work episode recently. Um, So with the early childhood services, what ages do you guys have in that program? Yeah, so I think it's supposed to be around zero to seven or eight, but right now we see kids all the way up till 12, actually. Just depends mm-hmm. on need, and then actually when kids have a diagnosis of autism, too, we tend to keep seeing them just due to developmental delays and social needs and things like that. Oh, great. Talk to us a little bit about some of the treatment options that are out there for someone that's diagnosed with autism disorder. Yeah, so there's so many. Um, the main one that's recommended by, um, you know, the government and the state, and that's the most heavily funded, is um, called ABA therapy. Mm-hmm. And so ABA therapy is applied behavior analysis therapy. Okay. Um, and so this one is pretty common, and it's pretty easy to get um, a kid started in. Um, there's lots and lots of opportunities and different types of um companies that offer it. Um, Unfortunately, CRC does not currently offer it right now, but we always send out referrals to lots of different places. Um, But ABA focuses on mostly behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a behavior type of therapy, but it's designed um, mostly for kids who have autism. Um, And yeah, it's definitely got lots to it. Um, You can like learn different fine motor skills in ABA. You can um, teach social skills teaching kids how to actually play with others, um, self-care needs, such as like kids having difficulty, um, you know, eating, um, using the bathroom, things Mm -hmm. like that, that can all be targeted in Mm -hmm. ABA. Um, And then actually, if you get your kid enrolled in ABA, um, you'll get assigned to what's called a BCBA. And they're Mm -hmm. basically in charge of um, writing your kid's behavior plan. And so they'll do a bunch of assessments on the kid and determine what are their needs and what kind of improvements they're going to need. And then they'll have a big behavior plan written out with lots of different goals. So it's a little bit different than like regular therapy because they have many goals all at once in yeah. different areas. Yeah, it seems like it's quite extensive. And you, you've said a few acronyms, the ABA, which is Applied Behavior, Behavioral Analysis, but then you said the BCBA. Mm-hmm. What does that stand for? It's... I hope I'm right, but it's a board-certified <laughs> behavior analysis or analyst. Um, and so, yeah, so a board-certified behavior analyst. And they go through lots of training um, to specifically work with this population and kids with more severe behavioral issues. So if someone is referred to therapies, if I guess in this case, ABA, how long can someone expect to be in this type of treatment? I think it just depends. I've worked with kids because I used to work in ABA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked with kids who have been there, you know, since they got their autism diagnosis, like three or four Mm -hmm. and they might be in it um, for a a while and it can just depend because you can graduate out of your goals and then they can set new ones for you and so a lot of kids will start working on you know just like identifying different objects Mm -hmm. and then once they master that then they can move on to like using them in a sentence and things like that so it's really depending on what your kid needs how long 
um, you think you know that you need to use that type of therapy for some yeah. kids can be in it like forever um and okay. just have it be like something to help them with their autism mm -hmm. and some kids might only need it for like a couple of years or maybe a couple months so it really varies yeah. on the individual i would say so do you have any experiences or stories from your time either working with aba or now with uh maybe a child that's diagnosed with autism disorder like yeah work here yeah um <clears throat> well i can share either I mean, I have lots of different stories, I sure. guess, so yeah. I can share some from ABA or I can share a little bit about what CRC does. So. Yeah, either one or both. Okay, um, so for CRC, um, we offer play therapy. Yeah. And so I have tons of kids who come in with autism diagnosis, but we're not necessarily focusing on behavior. So my biggest recommendation is that if your biggest concern is behavior, then like ABA is gonna be your best bet. But it's you know naive to think kids with autism aren't gonna have other problems too, like we all do. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to social skills, emotions, things like that, a lot of times emotional dysregulation happens, you know, transitions are really hard with kids with autism. Um, and so play therapy can really help target those specific like mm -hmm. social emotional needs essentially. So yeah. yeah, that's what I like to work on. Um, I love working with the kids with autism who come in. I feel super comfortable with that okay. population. Um, and I really like to help work on um, recognizing the emotions that are coming out of play mm. without them necessarily realizing yeah. what emotions are and then labeling that for them so they're able to transition and use that later and be able to identify an emotion easier if they're experiencing it on their own later. Well, that's really neat <laughs> because I think sometimes people may hear play therapy and think, what is that? Yeah. I mean, playing and it being a therapy, how, do, how does that even work, Katya? <laughs> so it definitely, if you were to just observe it, it definitely just looks like we're playing, but mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it. Um, I like to take a non-directive approach with most of my kids. Sometimes I am a little bit more direct, but when you take a non-directive approach, you basically are letting your the child lead the whole session. And so I have the um, kids come in and I have my office filled with toys and there's playrooms filled with toys. So there's always options to move around. Um, and then, you know, they can pick out what they want um, and you just kind of follow their lead. Um, lots of labeling what's going on, lots of noticing sensations in your own body, reflecting those feelings for them. And it's really just like a practice of connecting um, emotions that come out of their typical language, what is, which is play, mm -hmm. and then um, helping them really identify that to themselves, including like bodily sensations, mm -hmm. um, you know, different emotions that may come up and things like that. So oh, that's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think some people would be really curious to see what it's like to observe. Yeah, it's definitely. Therapy. It's definitely fun. I love doing it. It's definitely like my favorite type of therapy I've done. So oh, that's very cool. So let's say there's uh, someone diagnosed with autism um, spectrum disorder and they're adults and mm -hmm. they may not like play therapy may not be developmentally appropriate for them. What kind of treatments exist for children? For, I mean, sorry, for adults, for adults. <laughs> are no longer children. Yeah, I mean, I'm less familiar with that, yeah. to be honest, but I think that um, any type of therapy, just like mm -hmm. with a regular outpatient counselor, yeah. um, and I know CRC offers that too, yeah. um, and then those counselors are going to be able to do more, um, probably like some CBT, mm -hmm. um, some solution-focused things, to just kind of get over some of those, um, like, maybe things that they would be getting caught on, like in day-to-day -day things. So yeah. I, I would think that those types of treatments would be good. And honestly, um, people with autism are really not that different than us. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the same treatments that you would use on anybody would work um, on someone with autism. I think that's something really great to highlight because sometimes when we hear things that are new to us or different, we may think, oh no, this 
<laughs> requires this very different thing. But I think what you're sharing is, you know, there's a lot of the treatments that already exist that can be implemented yeah. or um, specialized for different types of diagnoses like very autism spectrum so. disorder. So what kind of other uh, resources in the community exist? Um, yeah. You mentioned a few times that, yes, we don't offer ABA here with CRC, but what other places in the community do? Yeah, so of? I have a list. Um, a couple areas <laughs> here in um, the Denver area. So we've got the Child and Family Center of Denver. Um, they offer lots of different types of therapy, but they do offer ABA. Um, and then we have what's just called Colorado ABA therapy. I would say they're probably pretty big. Um, Rising Star Behavior Services is something that we um, connect with. And then um, Autism Hope Support Services is also another one. Um, but besides ABA, we also yeah. can refer out to things like occupational therapy, mm -hmm. um, which is also super common with kids with autism along with other diagnoses. Um, and so I know we partner with um, Rocky Mountain Behavior, or Rocky Mountain <laughs> um, Occupational Therapy, sorry. Yeah. And um, so they, I have sent tons of kids over to them and they're really great. They're actually, um, there's a therapist who works in our um, building and does oh. OT um, from them. So they're kind of partnered with us a little bit. Um, but OT, which is occupational therapy, can be used for lots of different things. But with kids with autism, it definitely focuses more on the self-care. Mm -hmm. And also they're really good at the, doing the connecting body to self and um, kind of being more aware of your surroundings, things like that. So, which is a huge part of autism. So. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I didn't know we had an occupational therapist yeah. that worked um, in the early childhood office. And where is the early childhood office? Yeah, it's in Thornton, um, Colorado, and um, it's inside the same building that Mountainland Pediatrics is in. So we share um, a space with the doctor's office. A lot of our patients um, get therapy and receive medical services at the same time. It's really convenient um, mm. and we can work with the doctors and kind of talk to them about the same clients. Um, and that is at 8889 Fox Drive. Oh, and, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just got an interesting address in yeah. Thornton, so yeah. So then someone can go in and say, you know, I have my kid may need a, a pediatrician. And then if they may need behavioral health services, mm -hmm. occupational therapy, it sounds like they can go in and- Yeah, so we're definitely it. like, easy setup connected um, mm -hmm. to do all of that. And so I think, um, yeah, once once you get in on either the therapy or the medical side, I think it's definitely easier to get some referrals um, set out so you can get as many resources as you need. So, What would you say are the benefits of being in a multidisciplinary team, you know, when you do have, <laughs> because you're in that world, you know, you have your medical team, the yeah. behavioral side, what are some of the benefits of that? I think being able to collaborate and then also like, it may sound silly, but just knowing and seeing what my patient's medications are mm. um, so I can see exactly what they're taking and then I can kind of consult with a doctor and like let them know what I think and they can let me know what, what they're doing. Just makes things a lot easier. And it also makes things easier uh, for our clients because I have mm. tons of clients who come in and do you know a doctor and a therapy on the same day and so they can just come in oh. and do both. So it works out. It's got its advantages and yeah. makes for a more lively office too. Oh yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I've never visited um, that office, but I can only imagine it being full of families of and kids kiddos. Of families, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On both sides. So. Yeah. And toys everywhere. Toys are everywhere. <laughs> so I actually just cleaned out our playroom because it was getting messy. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So is there anything else we should mention before we wrap up today's episode? Yeah. So there was like one last thing that was on my mind, um, just because I know it's pretty popular um, in the autism 
autism community, and that is um, animal-assisted therapy. Um, and so, especially with children, and I mean maybe even adults too, um, it can be easier to connect to an animal than it can a human. And a lot of times um, with people with autism have some issues with social skills, and they can find it easier connecting you know, emotionally and empathetically with an animal than they may find that they can feel comfortable, even with like physical touch with a human is easier mm-hmm. with an animal. So um, things like emotional support animals or even service dogs, if your needs are a little higher, can be super beneficial mm-hmm. for um, people with autism. Um, they can also help with things like, um, so a lot of things that I like to use animals for is like teaching kids how to groom them and take care of them. That can instill confidence in, in people and actually be translated on later how to take care of themselves. And so I think animals can be used in many different ways. They can be used to set boundaries, um, respecting boundaries, respecting um, other people's emotions and feelings. It's a really good area to practice on. And then in, um, like I said, it's even really good for them to start, you know, enjoying some physical touch if that's potentially an issue for them. Um, and so I've seen lots and lots of kids um, completely become a different person in front of a dog. Um, and there's a program in um, the Denver area called Freedom Service Dogs, and they go into schools um, and work with kids with autism and bring in a dog and um, kind of have like a, a social emotional support group type yeah. of thing. And they teach lots of skills, and it's really awesome field so <laughs> yeah that is that is so neat I've actually never heard of that so I'm so glad that we mentioned all of this yeah there's lots of different ways to you know get involved with an animal but you can either have it be your own pet you can get a service dog or find a group like freedom service dogs avail- uh, offers so Perfect. yeah <laughs> well Katya thank you so much for being here today of and course. talking us through yeah. um, all of these types of treatment and services um, that we have um, and yeah I appreciate your time yeah thank you so much for having me yeah. thanks for letting me share this sure thing. (laughs) For future episodes of Reach for Wellness, you can go to our YouTube channel and all of the links for all of our episodes and how to get connected to services with CRC are at communityreachcenter.org. Thanks and talk to you next time.